0: plus what's up everyone and welcome back to the program as students get ready to go back to school after the holiday break in idaho they're gonna return to a beefed up security situation with more security more police and a more active presence of law enforcement overall on the campus this comes as a lot of students fear for their safety as a killer or killers is possibly still loose in the community. Now, do I think that this person or these persons are going to strike again in Moscow? I don't. But does that alleviate the fear that people have? Or the fear that the, that parents might have sending their kids back to this campus? Of course it doesn't. Just the chance alone, even if it's unlikely as hell, of this happening again, is enough to have parents freaking out. Because nobody wants to wake up in the morning and have to live with a new reality like the parents and the family members of the Moscow Four. So, of course, there is a lot of fear, there's a lot of hesitation, and there's a lot of questions about what the university is going to do to provide security. Well, they're providing some answers about what they're planning on doing when the semester kicks back up after the holiday break. So let's get into this article from The Independent, and let's see what the plans are for the university and the security situation. Headline, University of Idaho to bolster security in the spring following unsolved quadruple murder. Students who stay in Moscow will see more law enforcement and security personnel on the campus. This article was authored by Andrea Blanco. The University of Idaho will increase its security next semester after four of its students were killed in a nearby off-campus home. Nearly six weeks after the fatal stabbings, of Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin in Moscow, on November 13th, the killer remains at large. Police in town, of just 25,000, are still receiving tips about a Hyundai Elantra, seen near the scene of the crime, around the time of the slayings. As of Wednesday evening, no suspects have been named, and no murder weapon has been found. And I don't think we're going to find a murder weapon, until we find a suspect. I doubt that the murder weapon's gonna be in some accessible place where investigators are gonna stumble upon it. And I feel the same way about the Elantra. If this person used this Elantra, I highly doubt we're ever gonna see it again. It has now been revealed that the University of Idaho plans to offer self-defense, stalking awareness, and vigilance courses to students during the upcoming semester, Fox News Digital reported. Now look, There's nothing wrong with that. And in the best of times, it's a good idea for people to know how to defend themselves, especially girls on campus, right? I know that I'd want my daughter to take at least a basic self-defense class where she learns how to, you know, defend herself a little bit. So I think that's a good option that the University of Idaho is offering here. But would it help in a situation like the one we saw? Of course not. If you're sleeping in your bed, it doesn't matter who you are. Somebody comes in, if they're quiet enough, and they don't wake you up, all it takes is one well-placed, stabbed, or slice, and it's a wrap. The university will allow students who do not wish to return to the Moscow campus to take online courses or attend classes at the Boise, Idaho, Falls campuses. Meanwhile, students who stay in Moscow will see more law enforcement and security personnel according to Fox and the extra personnel is great. And that will offer some reassurance. And it should also offer some reassurance to the students who are returning to campus. They see a heavier police presence. They think that they're safer. And while they're on campus, there's no doubt that it's going to be one of the most secure, safe campuses around. But what happens when you leave campus? What happens at three 15, in the morning when you're sleeping in your bed, how does that give you reassurance then? investigators are still on the hunt for the occupant or occupants of a mystery white car which was spotted near the student home around the time of the murders. Police have identified around 22,000 vehicles that fit the description of the car and are combing through the information for clues. And remember, it's the FBI that's helping them. It's not five detectives sitting around a desk in Moscow going through these cars. That's why the FBI is involved and that's why the tip line was rerouted to the FBI phones so that they can be involved in this. They can vet these tips. They can process them and then send them to the investigators in an order and manner of importance. Moscow police said that a white 2011 through 2013 Hyundai Elantra with an unknown license plate was seen in the immediate area in the early hours of November 13th. Investigators believe the occupant or occupants of this vehicle may have critical information to share regarding this case. Police said in a statement nearly two weeks ago, Amid growing tension between the victim's loved ones about the lack of information being released and doubts raised on whether the local department has the resources and experience to handle the probe, the chief of police said he will keep lead oversight of the investigation. And I had no doubt that the Moscow police would continue to head up this investigation. To their credit, they at least called in the other bodies to help them out, unlike some other small-town departments that we've seen who decide that, ah, we got things well in hand, we don't need any help. So the fact that Chief Fry reached out to get help right away is certainly a mark in his favor. There have been numerous questions about leadership in this investigation. Let me be clear. This is the Moscow Police Department's investigation, and I am chief of police. Moscow Police Department Chief James Fry said in a video statement on Tuesday, he continued, the decisions are mine and mine alone. I have an excellent command staff with over 94 years of combined experience overseeing the investigation's daily operation, and I select who runs the investigative teams. So he's... Again, saying the buck stops with him. And I think a lot of the problems here or a lot of the concern, I should say, is the fact that one of the investigators is pretty green. They were considered a rookie of the year in 2020. And, you know, they've never been involved in any homicide investigations. This gentleman's background is in the military police in the military. So certainly a man who has some law enforcement experience, certainly. But I think the issue some people have, does that make you a good homicide police? Does that make you, you know, a guy that's going to be able to solve a murder like this? I mean, if it was your kid, would you be confident if one of the lead investigators had never worked on a homicide case before? And I think that's where a lot of the issue comes from, as far as the uncertainty that we have seen from Kaylee's family. And I think it's a valid concern. We'll have to see how this all plays out to see if it, you know, comes to fruition that they're overmatched and they can't find the killer. But it's certainly a valid concern, and from the parents especially. The four victims were stabbed to death in their beds with a fixed blade knife at around 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. on November 13th. There were no signs of sexual assault. Two surviving roommates were also out that night and arrived home at around 1 a.m., police said. The two women, who lived in rooms on the first floor of the home, are believed to have slept through the brutal killings and were unharmed. The horrific crime scene went unnoticed for several hours, with police receiving a 911 call at 11.58 a.m. on Sunday, reporting an unconscious individual. The two other roommates had first called friends to the home because they believed one of the second floor victims was unconscious and would not wake up. When the friends arrived, a 911 call was made from one of the roommate's phones. Police arrived on the scene to find the four victims dead from multiple stab wounds. So look, it is not a bad idea that they're offering self-defense classes, that they're bolstering security because they want to give the appearance that everything's fine here, that there's nothing wrong and that people should just resume their everyday activities. And I don't disagree with that. But that's easy for me to say sitting here in my the comfort of my, you know, studio. I don't have a child at this school. If I had a kid here, you better believe it would be a whole different ball game. I'd be up there patrolling that campus like a security guard. Either that or my kid would be home. But there's no way I'd feel confident in what's going on if my kid was at that school. And never mind if I had a kid who was murdered. Forget it. I'd be going crazy too, and I'd be speaking out, and I'd be demanding answers. But even with all of the beefed up security, the self-defense classes, and all the rest of it, I wouldn't be confident in sending my kid back to this school. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this one. If you'd like to contact me, you can do that at bobbycapucci at protonmail.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-C-A-P-U-C-C-I at protonmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at B-O-B-B-Y underscore C-A-P-U-C-C-I. The link that I discussed can be found in the description box.